No matter where you find yourself tonight, no matter what you believe, no matter what you've done, welcome to RUF. We're glad that you're here. We want you to feel welcome. Um, regardless of, again, where you find yourself tonight, no matter how this semester is going, no matter how this weekend went, welcome to RUF. My name is Matt Patrick, and I'm the RUF campus minister. Again, Caroline and I, we love meeting with you one-on-one, eating meals with you, drinking coffee with you, and meeting with you, walking alongside you during these formative years of college while you're here. So if you haven't introduced yourself, please, we would love to meet you and set up a time this semester to meet. We're in this series called Christ for Us. Christ for Us. And really, it's this greatest hits gospel survey where we're going to different gospel scenes exploring this question. Who is Christ for us? Who is Christ for us? And so we've seen that Christ is our host. We've seen that Christ is our shepherd. We've seen that Christ is our peace. That was last week. Tonight, we're going to see that Christ is our life. Next week, with water into wine, we're going to see that Christ is our joy. But tonight is Christ our life. So, uh, Thanksgiving really is right around the corner, and so bizarre. I was putting my, putting my calendar together this, this morning and scheduling things on the weekends and meetings with you all, and it's like October is like right now, and I can't believe that I can say that out loud, which means Thanksgiving is coming up, which means... We start listening to Christmas music, and then we really get in the Christmas spirit like a lot before Thanksgiving even happens. I love Christmas, and I love Christmas trees. My mom uh, loved Christmas. She would have a tree in every room of the house growing up, every room of the house. Do you have a family member like this? They love Christmas trees. We would have a white tree. We would have a multicolored tree, and then my favorite, a blue tree. A blue. Have you ever had a blue Christmas tree? Anyone? Dory is not a fan. But <clears throat> anyway, and every year I love going to get a live Christmas tree with Ivy. It's one of my favorite traditions. Me and Ivy have done this ever since we've been married, and we get takeout, and there's being Crosby and Home Alone Christmas uh, soundtrack in the background, and it's great. And our childhood ornaments are, are filled the tree up and the lights, and we turn all the, the lights in the house, and there it is, shining in all of its glory. We love Christmas trees. Magic. You know what else is true about Christmas trees? Not just they're magical, they're dead. Did you know this? Of course you know this. Live Christmas trees, as they shine in all their glory through the whole season, they're actually slowly dying. They're slowly dying. Welcome to RUF. We're really encouraging here. So many of us live life like Christmas trees. Okay. Bring it in. We walk around in our fall festive clothes. We have our chai lattes. We have our barber jackets on. And we're walking around and life looks great. Tastes great. And if we're honest with ourselves, because there's this southern kind of hospitality kind of talking around this area of the country, how are you doing? Fine, how are you? But the reality is, because no one is fine, inside we're not doing fine. We're restless. Hopelessness oftentimes is where we wake up. And we find ourselves joyless and lifeless. And Jesus is going to say loud and clear, long-winded way of bringing it back to John 15. Loud and clear, I'm your life. 
I'm your life. And life with Jesus, we're going to see the source of our life. We're going to see the signs of our life. And then at the end, if I had a point three, it would be the secret to our life. So that's what we're going to see. I'm going to read the passage now. and We're going to walk through it. Friends, God has spoken to us. He is not silent in speaking to us. He's not giving us a book of rules to follow or a theology exam to ace. He's spoken to you and to me tonight, John 15, in love, because he loves you and he loves me. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, He is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Let me pray. Lord, your word is living and active. We know that's true because you are living and active. And so we greet you tonight as we are enjoying this cooler weather that you're giving us. As we enjoy this beautiful space and this pavilion on this beautiful campus, we greet you thankfully. We also greet you honestly tonight. We do, as Caroline already prayed, we walk in here with all kinds of different things on our minds, so many things on our hearts, and you know us so intimately. You know exactly what we need. And so I ask that you would slow us down and that you would open our minds and our hearts to see beautiful things in your word. If you don't do this, we just won't hear you, and we ask you to do so in Christ's name. Amen. Two points, you see this, um, home and fruit. Home and fruit, that's going to guide our time in this text. Let's do the first one, home. Jesus is being so direct in this passage, so direct. Did you notice how many times that Jesus, Jesus used this phrase and this word, abide? Abide, abide in me, abide in my love. I abide in my Father, abide. It's repeated so often. Anytime there's a biblical text and there's repeated phrases and repeated words and it gets your attention, it should. You're being a good reader of the Scriptures. What does Jesus mean? We don't use the language and the vocabulary of abide very often. We just don't. And the Greek, the original Greek, because the New Testament was written originally in Greek, the phrase abide in me essentially means this, remain in or stick with. In other words, Jesus is saying, I want you to stick with me. I want you to remain with me. And as one commentator paraphrases it this way, and I love this phrase, and here's where home is coming from in the point. Make your home with me. That's what he's saying. Make your home with me. I am your shelter. I am your home. Apart from me, there is no life. Since life, So we see 
Christ our home, he's the source of our life. Christ is our life because he's the source. He's our home. And so if you're a Christian, if you have a speck of faith in Jesus, the most fundamental thing about you, your home is with Jesus. Jesus is safe. Jesus is grounding. Jesus is secure. Jesus is your righteousness and forgiveness. You're united to him. He is your home. I got like an amen from that, that car. <clears throat> home. When I was driving back from Spartanburg, from uh, the Greenville um, GSP airport after a weekend in St. Louis, some of y'all know we moved here from St. Louis after seminary for me. And I was visiting my mentor in St. Louis for a long weekend before y'all came and before the semester started. And I love St. Louis. If you've been around me very often, I will talk about St. Louis, and I probably will like glow when I talk about it. I loved our church. I loved my pastor. I loved the food. I loved my friends. St. Louis was rich. St. Louis is not my home. And so it struck me, especially this time, I think I went into this St. Louis trip with kind of expectations of like, it's going to feel so cozy here in these streets and these neighborhoods and these restaurants and these houses. And y'all, listen, it just didn't. I've been removed for several years now, and it just didn't feel like home in the way that I expected. And here's what happened. As I pulled in, and there's, I'm on Pine, and then there's the Wades on the left, and then there's the Starbucks on the right, and then there's y'all over here on the other side of the Starbucks. And then I turn, and I go past Drayton Mills, and I get on Fernwood Drive, my street our street and it was home and i was struck by just how the contrast between st louis and spartanburg it was home spartanburg is my home david ramirez one of my favorite singer songwriters in austin texas he has this song called fire of time and he's it's a it's a love song and it's a vulnerable song and there is a, a line in there where he says you remind me of who i was and who i want to be and you remind me that though I'm not whole, I'm not empty. And so home, whether it's a person or a place, grounds you. Home reminds you of who you are, of your identity, and what is true about the world. That's what home does. Jesus is your home. I remember Ivy and I, right, uh, when we were, right after Annie was born, we're in the hospital room pediatrician shows up and we're like every word she says we're so locked in you know first parent first time parents so anxious and one of the first things that she says it was a declaration and she looks at me and ivy and annie is wrapped up in ivy's arms and she said she pointed at ivy and said annie's home is ivy annie's home is ivy she sort of announced this. I'll never forget that. And we had some friends recently have their first child. And because of health complications, the child had to go to the NICU. And there's separation. The child is still in the NICU. And they can only see their child once a day. It's really, I cannot imagine that. And when my friends go and they hold their child, all of the health regulations that they're monitoring with the physical touch of their parents, their breathing is regulated. Their heart rate goes down literally by the physical touch, the being at home with mom 
at home with dad, calm. Home is grounding, reorienting in a chaotic world. Christ is our home. Now, I realize that a lot of you all, home is a complicated word. Home is a complicated home for a lot of y'all because you tell me that your hometown doesn't feel like home. Your household did not feel welcoming. The people in your life who were supposed to be home to you broke promises and ran away. You tell me this, home is complicated. And so this make your home with me language is charged up. And I realize that. Because of divorce and addiction, adultery, abandonment, abuse, and on and on, home is broken and complicated. I don't care what it looks like on the outside. Home is complicated and broken. The further and further you get removed from your parents, you'll see this more and more. And so you've been told lies, many of you, when you're growing up. You're only acceptable in this house if you perform. You're only acceptable and lovable if you are attractive enough or smart enough. Wofford didn't have to tell you that. You haven't even gotten here yet. You grew up with that. Have you heard those lies? Home's supposed to tell you the truth. And you've heard lies. Jesus has no time for it. He has no time for those lies. He is your home. And with Jesus, you are welcome. You are welcome. Some of you need to hear these words, and this might make you feel uncomfortable. And hear the words, Jesus likes you. Does it make you like squirm some? It, sh- it shouldn't. It's so intimate to say that, isn't it? To hear that Jesus likes you. He is not tolerating you. He is not tolerating you. He adores you. How do we know he adored? He died for you. That's how. Like our friend's daughter who was made, literally created to dwell in the presence of mom and dad, her heart rate shows it. You were made to be at home with Jesus. You were made to be at home with him. You might say, I don't feel acceptable. That's okay. He'll accept you. Well, every time I open up, this is what my family's shown me, they leave. Every time I show that I'm needy and weak, they leave me. He doesn't do that. He won't do that. I'll never leave you or forsake you, he says. Any minute. Home. Let's go to fruit. Fruit. The signs of life. The source of our life is home, Jesus. Abide with Jesus. Now, the signs that we have life, that Jesus is the source of our life, is this fruit-bearing business that's called the Christian life. It's lifelong. It's complicated, and it means we bear fruit. It's the signs of life. In verse 5, you'll see this. Look at this agricultural sign of green vine branches imagery here. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Whoever abides in me, whoever makes their home with me, Bears fruit. He's saying, when you're at home with me, you got to leave the house, right? You have to go out into the world. And what happens when you go out in the world and you start talking, you start interacting, you start making decisions and managing time and resources? You bear fruit. If If I'm your home, your life will show it. That's fruit bearing in the Christian life. The Apostle Paul just simply called it in Galatians 5, one of his letters to the Galatian church, the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we see. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of your life that's very mundane and daily, 
And it's a sign that you are united to Jesus. You're abiding in Jesus. And Jesus just, his shorthand for this is, you'll keep my commandments. He's referring to the law, commandments. You might have thought Ten Commandments. That's a good catch. What's the summary of the Old Testament law according to Jesus? Love God and love your neighbor. It's on our banner. Love God, love others, love Wofford. It's a summary of the law of God. Love. The summary of the commandments is love. Through the Spirit, over the span of your life. And so those who are rooted in God's love live a life of love. That's what we see. Now, I, I want to just acknowledge um, obedience, obeying Jesus, this fruit-bearing stuff, especially when we use the language of obedience. You might be allergic to that term, obedience. I don't know what that brings up. Maybe it brings up similar kinds of things as home does. But here's, here's what I, I just want to emphasize. Everyone has fruit of their, in their life. The fruit of your life is indicative of who or what you are abiding in. The fruit of your life is a direct result of who or what is home to you. So, if home to you is a 4.0 GPA, the fruit of your life will say so. If being noticed and the most attractive person around in the room the fruit of your life will say so, and so on. The way that you make decisions, the way that you manage your time, it reveals who or what is your home, who or what you are trusting in, who or what you are looking at and say, I want you to give me what only home can. The fruit of your life, everyone has fruit in their life. So I just think it's, it's, a, it's a diagnostic question we have to ask ourselves, especially if you say that you're a Christian. What does the fruit of my life, the, the vibe and feel and fruit of my life say about what I trust in? I'm not saying are you spiritually perfect at all, and we'll get to that in a second. But the fruit of your life, okay? What does it say about you? I do want to encourage you, as I thought about the fruit of the Spirit, I went to Galatians 5, and you know, there's love, joy, peace, patience. And you know, I started thinking about y'all. I started thinking about you. Because the fruit of the Spirit is all over you in this campus with how you talk and how you manage your time and how you love those who you disagree with. The fruit of the Spirit, it's in your life. You're abiding in Jesus. The way that you celebrate others with your words, that's called joy. The way that you love your roommate and you listen to them when they keep socially dominating, that's called patience. I see the fruit of the Spirit in the way that you interact with your friends with curiosity and grace, and that is called kindness that they don't deserve. I see the fruit of the Spirit in the way that you fight for truth and push back against lies in your own life and on this campus, in your organizations. That's called goodness. I see the fruit of the Spirit in your life, the way that you stick with your friends while they have suffered here. That is called faithfulness. I see the way that you say no to things when everything in you wants to say yes. That's called self-control. 
I see the way that you speak with tenderness when you really want to speak with a vengeful tone to your voice that's called gentleness. It's all over your life. I just want you, if you're here tonight, like I don't know if I'm growing or not. I want Jesus to be my home and I don't know if it's there. I just want to say, I don't know all of you equally, but I know a lot of y'all and you are growing. You're abiding in Jesus and I just want to say, keep going. It's week four, we're fatigued, I get it. Keep going. All right. I do want to have a side note before we go to this next part, okay? I want to say that the motivation for obeying God can never be merit or earning. That is not Christianity says you obey Jesus because you already have his love not to earn his love. Legalism and religion says, I obey God's commandments to get in with God, to make him my home. The gospel of grace says, I'm at home. He has made me clean. He's washed me. And now I want to grow. Now I want to obey. And when you get that inverted, when you do the earning stuff, you are on the trail to burnout. Trust me, I tried it for 17 years and it leads in burnout and depression and cynicism about God's people. Only grace can fuel your obedience or you will burn out. Long haul obedience to following Jesus has to be fueled by gratitude and grace and joy. We have to be clear on this because if we don't, it's actually not just inverting the logic of obedience. It's actually anti-Christianity anti-Christianity. That's what Paul says all over Galatians. Okay. We grow by obeying Jesus. The fruit-bearing stuff, by obeying Him. We also grow by being pruned by Jesus. Strange agricultural language, but by being pruned by Jesus. And here's, here's what Jesus means. He says that growth in the kingdom, growth with Him happens like roses. Roses grow by having a meticulous, caring gardener who goes in and cuts and trims all these thorns, right? It lo- the gardener loves and cares for the, the rose too much to let it get choked out by its thorns. And that's what he's saying. Because here's the deal. Suffering in a fallen world, repentance, confession, accountability, self-control, all that is messy. All that, is, that stings us. It's upside down. You want to find your life, you lose your life. You want to humble yourself, you have to give yourself away. Right? It, this is messy. Life with Jesus, as he adores you, as he loves you, it's actually a call to a very complicated, messy life where you're pruned by him. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you too much to leave you alone in your sin that you might get choked out. He loves us by pruning us. And it's actually in love. And so I just want to say, like, what is, what is and I, I want to, I'm intentionally using the, the pruning language here in John 15. I want it to be on purpose really big, okay? I, it involves, like, suffering in a fallen world that you can't change. Some of y'all have had family members die since you moved to Wofford College, okay? God is not surprised by any person's death. 
And when we're grieving and trying to heal through that, it's the gardener doing work on us. And when we actually sin against others and we're sinned against, he's not surprised by that either. Every detail of our life is the work of the gardener trying to prune us, trying to get us to depend on him more because he wants all of us. I'm not saying that he's this maniacal God who's making you suffer. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying he wants you to depend on him. Apart from him, you can do nothing. And he's so committed to forcing us to believe that. But it stings. It stings. I know it does. Home fruit. Let's go to the last thing. And this, this would just be called the secret. And I really, I just want to highlight, I want to highlight one, one thing, give two application points, and then I want to tell you about my friend Israel and we'll be done. Okay, we ready? Joy. If joy is not in John 15, none of it makes sense. The home language of Jesus, the source of life, And the signs of life, the fruit bearing, without joy, John 15 does not make sense. That's how he closes it. He says, I'm doing all this. I'm saying all this. I want you to make your home with me. I want you to bear fruit. Why? That you might have joy. That you might have joy. Jesus isn't just tolerating you. He wants to satisfy you and give you joy. Okay? I'm going to show you what that looks like talking about Israel after these two application points. Okay, but the secret, similar to gratitude, the fuel for this stuff is joy and gratitude, not earning. He says you're already clean. You don't obey because you aren't clean and you've got to obey and earn your way into getting clean. Jesus' blood has already washed you. You can't clean yourself up. Now you just live a life that says one giant thank you. Okay? All right, two application points. There's so many things that this passage says to us. And I think it's inviting us to do like probably 125 things, but these two things have to be in that list. First thing is this. A life where we're delighting in Jesus. Delighting in Jesus and depending on Jesus. Delighting in Jesus, depending on Jesus. Delighting in Jesus. Jesus says in this passage, he starts getting really meta and cosmic and he starts talking about his relationship with the father did you notice this he says just as my father loves me so i love you that is an insane thing for jesus to say the second person of the trinity is saying to you and to me tonight the father loves me and i love you that much that's what he's saying no matter What you're going through tonight, Jesus loves you. Jesus delights in you. No matter what you believe, no matter what you've done, Jesus delights in you. How do you you live a life of delighting in God? I'm talking about God's delight in you. I'm doing that on purpose. The only way you can delight in God is basking in the reality that he delights in you. It's not by willpowering and bootstrapping this thing until you just... Poof, delight in God. No. How do we know that God delights in us? The cross. That's how. That's why we never move on from talking about this good news of the gospel. Every week, we're centered on it every time. It's the central feature of RUF and Christianity. And it's how we know God delights in us. 
He was spit on for, because he delights in us. He was mocked because he delights in us. He kept the law for you and for me perfectly because he delights in us. He resisted temptation because he delights in you. He walked up out of a graveyard because he delights in you. He filled you with, your, with His Spirit because He delights in you. He ascended to the right hand of God because He delights in you. And He's going to come back to make all things new because He delights in you. Delight and joy. That's why He's doing all this. That's why He came. Delighting in Jesus. And then depending on Jesus. The Christian life is not some self-sufficiency BS life of autonomous Away from, autonomy away from God because we don't need Him. Self-sufficiency resume building Christianity doesn't need Jesus' resume. And He will prune us until we cry uncle in a fallen world and say, help me, give me daily bread. I can't feed myself. I want to change, but apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. I want to shake this addiction, but apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. I want to love my roommate, but apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. I want to forgive my parents, but apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. Dependence daily on Jesus. It is the only way. That's why we talked last week, that benediction posture. Remember this? The pastor gets up, may the Lord bless you and keep you, face shine upon you. What is your body doing? Open hands. Dependence on Jesus. It's the whole Christian life, not just when you say some prayer. It's every day. And we swim around in these waters here and in this lovely campus we love so much and in our own hearts that are prone to wander away from Jesus and in our wandering away, we think we can just do this on our own because it looks so good like Christmas trees do. And inside, you know you're needy and restless just like me, so let's just cry uncle already. Daily dependence. Delight and dependence. Israel, my friend. Some of y'all might have heard the story. I think if anyone has, it's probably seniors because I was reflecting on this story. And here's what I want to highlight. My friend Israel, this is a very mundane story. I'm doing that on purpose. This is not like some elaborate dramatic story, okay? Israel, my friend, we overlapped in seminary and he's from Asheville. He's you know, an hour away. And this was after we graduated, and Israel's a therapist in, in Asheville. And he, was, he drove to spend the day with me, and it was wonderful. And Israel, if you were to see Israel, I wish I could teleport him here. Israel is like the man. And he is so gifted, and he is like very good-looking, very well-dressed, very well-spoken. The fruit of the Spirit everywhere in Israel's life. Like, Israel is the man, Okay. Israel also has gone through failed relationship after failed relationship after failed relationship. Again, it's ironic because how Israel looks and what he looks like and how he treats people. And Israel was in my kitchen. We were sitting down. We were drinking coffee. This is my first year here. And he had just experienced a breakup with this girl. And again, it was just one blow after another. And it was so deflating. He was saving up to, to buy a ring for this girl. And she broke it off. And I was like excited about this relationship. I thought they were really compatible. Like I was geared up like I'm going to be a groomsman. And, <clears throat> but no, they broke up. And um, Israel is describing this. And he is in tears describing the breakup. And the longings. And how this is one incident again 
that he, like, he feels so called to be a husband and it's just not going to happen, this narrative, right? And then, as we're both in tears, because I know what he's gone through, he says this to me very subtly, and if, very almost in passing if I wouldn't have paid attention. He just says, you know, Matt, it's toward the end of our conversation, I've been through a lot in my life, and I know a lot of what Israel's gone through, and he's been through the ringer. And he said, God has been really faithful to me in my life. And he's not going to stop through this disappointment. I've been disappointed before. I was undone by his words. So subtle, but so sturdy. So in his tears are falling down. And he's saying this. He's not going to stop. This is someone who is making his home. Who is his home? Jesus is Israel's home. That's why he can say that. I've talked about the Apostle Paul in prison singing hymns. Why can he sing hymns behind bars? Because home was Jesus for Paul. Home is Israel, Israel's, Israel's home. This is complicated because it's like Israel the Old Testament. No, my friend Israel, okay? Um, Israel's home is Jesus, and that's why he can say that with tears in his eyes. I want to say to you, this semester is going to go all over the place. Does it feel like that already? I know it does. Even if the semester is going very, your heart is prone to wander away and go all over the place. And so is mine. Jesus and how he's describing himself as this home base, secure, faithful friend and savior and resurrected king does not move in his faithfulness. And so as I, I want to say this, as I close, what was great about Israel's language there is that he trusts God. He's reflecting on who has he been to me before? He's not going to stop. Christ is our life and you can trust him. He's the source. The fruit of your life is just the fact that you're bound up and united in him. He's your home. Why? Joy and you can trust him. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for